You might remember last week I didn't have a voice, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> and so thankfully the Lord has made a way for me to have a voice again. But it's not really my voice that you need to listen to today. It's the voice of God. You need to hear God speak. Um, and he uses uh, crooked sticks like me to draw straight lines. And so we give him thanks and we come to him this morning in prayer asking him to speak. So let's do that now. Lord, we need something supernatural. We need you to speak, Lord, by your spirit, to speak as the word is preached and proclaimed. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. And Lord, give us faith to rest and to receive what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, give us understanding today. Open up those clogged up cavities and make a way for the truth to flow anew. And Lord, would you not only let us know something new, but would you use it to transform us, to make us into a new creation today? Lord, take your word and speak to us. We ask you to do this or we're wasting our time. For your glory and for your name's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, um, on Friday night, I just as a preface, we were at a Baptist church. And at the Baptist church, there was a lot of communication between the preacher and the congregation. And I want to invite you today, if, if you see fit, to communicate as I'm preaching. Amen? Amen. I, I want to let you know that this is uh, not, uh, it, it's not a bad thing to communicate. And we could talk more about the struggle of a cross-cultural church, right? Where we're blending different people and styles and backgrounds together. Um, but see, that's what God is doing, right? God is blending different people and lives and styles together. And so I just want to start by inviting you to communicate during the sermon. Amen? All right. Who's got bills to pay? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've got some bills to pay. Uh, almost every hand should go up, right? Because some sometimes some of y'all are like, not yet. <laughs> not yet, but I know they're coming. I know those bills are coming. Have y'all noticed everything is getting more expensive? Uh, uh, everything is getting more expensive. It's not just your imagination. In fact, uh, we're experiencing something uh, called inflation. And, and today, the annual inflation rate for the United States is 8.5%. It is the highest that it has been in 40 years. Near, uh, uh, since 1981. So over 40 years. The highest that it's not just your imagination. Uh, you got bills to pay. I got bills to pay. And so what do we have to do to get our bills paid so our lights don't go off? What do we have to do? We got to make sacrifices. Right? We got to make sacrifices. Maybe we have to go work when we don't want to. Maybe we have to, to give up that weekend trip with the girls. Because it takes money to do that and I got bills to pay. Maybe we have to give up 
uh, getting the nails done this month. Maybe we have to give up that new electronic device that you've been eyeing on Amazon because you've got bills to pay. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices to stay alive. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices to stay alive. Anybody seen the, the Marvel movies? They've, they've been coming out for the last 20 years. I know Joel has seen them. Uh, yeah, y'all like the Marvel? My kids and I, we went through and we watched every Marvel movie from the very beginning. We even watched The Incredible Hulk from the very beginning, and we went all the way to the end. And we're still watching them today because they're still coming out. But there's this one moment in one of the movies, and if you know the overarching story, you know that there's this great enemy called Thanos, right? And Thanos is the great enemy. Everybody says, boo, boo. But what he does is he, 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 he collects these infinity stones. And, 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 and in the story, the infinity stones have great power. And he uses that power to do something incredibly evil. He uses that power to eliminate half of the world's population by snapping his finger. And instantly, half of the world's population is vaporized. Spoiler alert. Hopefully you've seen the movie or you've heard. Now you know. And the story continues into a movie called Endgame. And in the movie Endgame, what we see is that the Avengers unite together. They overcome all of the obstacles and they unite together and they are they're joined together to, to, to make it right. To bring salvation to the world, the Avengers, right? And so part of that story, when you zoom in in the movie Endgame, is that two of the Avengers, two of the Avengers, Natasha Romanoff and Clint Barton, find themselves on a remote, distant planet. And what they're trying to do is to, to recover these infinity stones. And the one stone that they're trying to recover is the soul stone. Am I right? i got to check with Joel. He's, he's my Wikipedia for all things comic books. And when they arrive on this distant remote planet, they climb up a mountain. And at the top of the mountain, they are greeted by the guardian, Red Skull. And here's what Red Skull says to these two friends. In order to take the stone, you must lose that which you love. An everlasting exchange. A soul for a soul. Both Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff were willing to make the sacrifice. But ultimately, only one of them made the sacrifice. Natasha paid the ultimate price by sacrificing her life so that the souls of all who had been lost could be restored, could be brought back from the dead, could be resurrected, if you will. One life for the salvation of the whole world. You know, there's a story in the Bible similar to that. It's a story about a man named Abraham. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And God said, Abraham, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. I will make your name great and I will make you into a great nation. But see, there was this problem. Anybody remember the problem? What was the problem? Abraham and his wife didn't have any children. 
And so he's looking at God like, hey, that's nice, but I got no kids. How am I going to be a great nation? And God says, just believe. Just believe Abraham is the father of faith and of all who believe. That's you and me. And so what does God do? God causes Abram's wife, Sarah, to conceive in her old age, 90 years old. It's a miracle. She conceives and she gives birth to a son and they name him Isaac. And a few years later, God comes to Abraham and he speaks to him and says, Abraham, I want you to go up to the mountain in Moriah and I want you to sacrifice your son. Now that may seem strange to us, I hope it does. But in those days, human sacrifice was part of the culture. Okay? It's part of the culture. Now Abraham knew that it was out of left field. But he trusted God. And Hebrews actually tells us that he believed God could even raise his son from the dead if he had to. And so Abraham takes his son up to the top of the mountain... And at the top of the mountain, he faces a choice. He's willing to sacrifice his beloved son because God told him to. And just as he raises the knife over his son, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Abraham! Abraham, stop! Trembling, he lowers the dagger. The angel of the Lord says, now I know that you're a man of faith. Wow, what a test. (laughs) What a test. Don't offer your children to sacrifice unless you have an audible word from God. What passes as God speaking today is not how God speaks. If God speaks, you're not going to question it. You're going to know it. Okay? But God speaks to us now primarily through his word and not in an audible voice. So so God says, Abraham, put the dagger down. And Abram turns around and do you know what he sees over in the bush? He finds a ram. And the ram has been caught in the bush and he goes and takes the ram and he sacrifices the lamb in exchange for his son Isaac. Do you see what God does on the top of the mountain? It's the same thing that happened on top of the mountain in the the case of endgame. One soul for another. One soul for another. A substitute. A sacrifice. God has always provided a sacrifice for sin. From the very beginning in the book of Genesis when we read about Adam and Eve and how they turned away from God and they went their own way and they gave God the finger and they said, I'm going to do things my way. Can any of you relate to that? That's what sin is, is saying, I'm not going to do things your way, I'm going to do things my way, God. And as soon as that happened, this rift happened in the universe and and, and there was a division between a holy God and, and people who were fallen and broken now by sin. And death was entering into the picture and it corrupted everything in nature. When you look around and you see why is there war? Why is there division? Why is there inflation? It's because the world is broken by sin. 
And, but, but God provided from the very beginning a sacrifice because the Bible tells us right at the beginning that God made clothes to cover their shame. And He didn't sew those clothes together from leaves and from, and, and from the shrubs, but he, clo- he clothed them with an animal skin. Now, how did He get that animal skin? It wasn't given up voluntarily. It was a sacrifice. And so from the very first sin, God sacrificed a substitute. Because God said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of the tree, you will surely die. They didn't die. But an animal did die. From the very beginning, God has always provided a sacrifice. And as time goes on, as you read the Old Testament, you read about how God continued to provide sacrifice after sacrifice daily as God established the temple of the tabernacle. And and you have this ongoing sacrificial system and God puts people in charge of that called priests. And the priests are the ones who daily come and offer a sacrifice to God to make a way for God to overlook their sin. So that their sin would be covered by the blood of the lamb and the ram and the the bulls and all of the different sacrifices. And all of those sacrifices were pointing forward, weren't they? They were pointing forward to the final sacrifice. They were pointing forward to the final sacrifice, which was and is God himself The Son of God who became man and lived among us. We've been reading about the Son of God for the last couple of weeks. We we heard about the eternal Word of God two weeks ago. Last week we heard about the Son of God, our great prophet, who uh, who gives us the exact imprint of God. He tells us what God is like. He communicates to us about God. And now we think about Jesus as our priest. He is our go between. He is the one who makes a way for us to have a new relationship with God. And the book of Hebrews describes and tells us that Jesus was unlike any other priest that had ever lived. In fact, he was the final priest. He was the final priest, the great high priest. And so today in our scripture that I've already read for you earlier, we are going to find out a little bit more about this high priest. Three things. He knows your dirt. He knows your dirt. Number two, he feels your pain. And number three, he loves you still. He knows your dirt. He feels your pain. And he loves you still. Look with me at verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It says the word of God is living and active. What is the word of God? It's contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. It is the written word of God. It is the word of the prophets. It is finally the word and the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the word of God, and that is the word of God which is living and active. It is not just words on a page. It is alive. The word of God is living and active. 
The Word of God is a sword wielded by the Holy Spirit. Don't expect the Spirit to speak to you if you're not reading the Bible. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And what does God do with a sword but to strike and to cut? It says that it pierces our deepest parts. It separates our soul and our spirit. It separates our, our marrow from our, from our joints. It, 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 what he's saying is it gets into you. It gets into your business. And, and, and because it gets into your business, because the Word of God gets into your business, the Spirit gets into your business, He knows your dirt. He knows everything that you're actively trying to hide from everyone else. Recently, Laurie and I were talking about uh, getting back in shape. Well, I was talking about getting back in shape to my wife. Let me put it that way. <clears throat> I was talking about getting back in shape. And then I went onto my phone and, and pulled up Facebook. And somehow, there were advertisements for at-home gym systems. Now, I had just talked about it. As far as I know, I did not Google anything. I didn't search. I was just talking about getting in shape. And all of us, have y'all experienced this? You just think about something and suddenly there's an advertisement for it on Facebook. Nothing you do is hidden from Mark Zuckerberg. Amen? Nothing you do is hidden from Mark Zuckerberg. And like Facebook, the Word of God exposes you. It exposes you for who you really are. And you can dress up and put your suit on and you can come to church and you can shout and scream and you can do whatever you want to do. You can go and do good deeds. You can help the lady across the street. You can take food to the homeless shelter. But none of it is going to hide who you really are. None of it is going to hide the person that you are in your secret moments. And that is the person that God wants to expose with His Word. That is the person, the person that you don't want nobody to see, is the person that God wants you to know that He knows. He knows your dirt. He knows all of your dirt, and you cannot cover it up yourself. In fact, God says here that you will give an account for every action that you have. And not just every action, every thought. And not just every thought, every intention. Why would God hold us to such a high standard? Because He is holy, holy, holy. And we underestimate how good God is. We sang about it today. His goodness. But if God is good, then we are lost. Because we fall so short of His glory. We don't even come, even the most righteous person doesn't come close. We fail in so many ways. And God knows your dirt. You can't hide it. So stop trying to hide it. Can you do enough good to be saved? The Bible answers that question very clearly. No, you can't. There isn't some cosmic scale that, that outweighs the good with the bad. No. And we sang a song earlier and it hit me. You know, it says, He came from heaven to earth to show the way. But be careful 
He didn't come to show you the way to live. He came to show you the way of salvation. There's a huge difference. Religion tells you how to live. Christianity tells you how to be saved. Huge difference. A huge difference. He knows your dirt. And that is good news. Because He takes the sword of the Word of God and He pierces it into your life. And as you read the Word, you will be convicted. You will be convicted of who God is and of what He's done. And you'll feel worthless. And I was writing to the church this morning thinking about how I failed in certain ways. It was just on my mind. Can you relate to that? Yeah, and the, and the good news is you're right, and you don't know the half of it. <laughs> and I don't know the half of it. We have fallen so far from God's perfect standard, and He knows about it. He knows all of it. He knows our dirt. But not only does He know our dirt, the good news is He feels our pain. Look with me at verses 14 and 15. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What makes Jesus a great high priest is that he was not merely human, but he is, what does it say? The Son of God. With all of God's power, he gave up the glory of heaven to come into this earth. Would you do that? No. Would I do that? Would I leave all of my privilege and my glory to come down to this messed up, icky, nasty place? full of suffering and pain and loss and death and mourning? No, but that is what God the Son did. God the Son gave up and passed through the heavens to come to this earth to be born a human being. To be born to take on our entire nature. Did you know He took on a body and a soul? He took on a human body and a human soul, our full humanity. And it was in his life, in his perfect life, where he was tested in every way. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet he never, he never fell. He never said yes to the temptation. Incredible. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine And it's easy for us to say God doesn't understand, but this scripture is telling us actually, he does. He does understand. He just didn't do what you did. He understands the struggle. I've got to do this. I've got to sleep with my girlfriend. I've got to lie. I've got to cheat. I've got to do this. I've got to get ahead to live. And Jesus says, I get it. I get it. But you don't. You don't have to disobey God. Jesus didn't disobey God. And the good news is for us that it is this perfect man who is fully God who became a priest for us. The good news is that now because we fail, he stands in our place. 
He is our substitute who went up on a hill and who gave Himself for us. On the cross of Calvary, He went up on a hill and He sacrificed one soul for many. One soul for many. Jesus feels your pain. Let that sink in for a minute. He knows you struggle. And He knows that it's in the struggle that the temptation comes. Because the temptation is always a shortcut to God's best plan for you. The temptation is always a shortcut to God's good plan for you and for me. And so we need to tell ourselves the truth. When we face temptation, whatever it is, tell yourself the truth. I don't have to lie. I don't have to lie because Jesus told the truth. I don't have to hate this person because Jesus turned the other cheek. I don't have to give in to lust because Jesus was faithful. I don't have to harm my neighbor because Jesus healed. I don't have to shout in anger because Jesus spoke a kind word. I don't have to disobey because Jesus was without sin. And brothers and sisters, through faith in Him, you get imputed, which means you get the credit for all the goodness that He is. His life for yours, an exchange. Not just in His death, but in His life. It's not just that He died for you, He lived for you. He lived for you. And what that means is that when you're facing temptations and you fail, He lived for you. He lived for you. He feels your pain. He knows your dirt. He feels your pain. But you have a great high priest who loves you still. Who loves you still. Yes. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, let us therefore with confidence. With what? With confidence. Let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Since we have a great high priest like that, we can come boldly. We can come with confidence to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace one more time. <laughs> one more time. Because we're going to fail today and tomorrow. And we need God's grace today and tomorrow. Amen. We need to draw near with confidence, not confidence in, Lord, I've been doing better. I've really, I've been going to church. I've turned over a new leaf. I'm a new man. God doesn't care about that. The only thing that impresses God is his only begotten son. And so from the beginning of your faith as a Christian, you cling to Jesus. In the middle of your faith as a Christian, you cling to Jesus. And at the end of your faith as a Christian, you cling to Jesus. He is our everything. He is our priest. And He loves you still. A soul for a soul. There's a new TV show out on Disney Plus called Hawkeye. And it's a TV show that follows the story of this one character. I'm not going to give away too much of this, okay? But there's this one scene where... Hawkeye, remember, I said Clint Barton. He was one of the two that went up on the mountain, and he's the one that lived. 
Okay, and his, his friend, one of his, his best friends, gave her life to, to bring back everyone. But Barton lived. And he lived, and he continued to think about his life, and he continued to think about his unworthiness. He had done a lot of bad things. And there's this one part in the film, this is a screen grab from it, and he says this, he's standing in front of the memorial to those who gave their lives in the great war with Thanos. And he says this, he says, I do my very best every day to earn what you gave me. I do my very best every day to earn what you gave me. He's talking to Natasha. I do my very best every day to earn what you gave me. And you know what's wrong with that? I hope you see it. What's wrong with that is what she did was a gift. And if you try to earn a gift, you're spitting in the face of the person who gave it. If God gives you a gift of eternal life and you turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to do my very best to pay you back. I'm going to do my very best to be worthy, to earn. God says, you don't have to do that. You can't do it anyway. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. And so you... But, but isn't... But that is exactly how we feel. We feel like we have to earn it. And God says, no. There is a great high priest. And listen to these words. He loves you still. You don't fall out of his love. He loves you still. And if you think about what we celebrate today and the resurrection, then you get a picture of the reason why Jesus can love you still. And the reason he can love you still is because he didn't stay in the grave. Because he rose from the grave on the third day. He overcame sin and death. Because of his goodness and his righteousness, he overcame and he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven after a time. And so now the body and the soul, the human body and the human soul of Jesus are in heaven. Right now, he is the first fruits of the resurrection that you and I will participate in at the end of days at the judgment. We will all be raised, some to everlasting life. Not those who did good, but those who are covered with the blood of Jesus. Only. And others will be raised to the judgment. What the Bible calls damnation and hell. These two people are not different. The only difference is they've received the grace of God, which is offered to everyone. It's offered to everyone. And so today you do not have to be condemned because Jesus, the Son of God, who came to the earth, who lived a righteous life, who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, who lived and died and rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God now, interceding for you. He's priesting for you right now. And so whatever you're going through today, He loves you still. And it's not just the effect of what He did. He is effectually loving you right now. He is actively loving you right now. He's loving you still. And so you don't have to do your best every day to earn what he gave you. 
but we get to respond to what he gave us in a life of love, in a life of doing good, right? It's not to earn it. It's because we're just so thankful. We are just so thankful. So what does this all mean for us? A few quick ideas for you. Number one, you can stop hiding. Allow the Word of God and the Spirit to expose you. Allow the the surgeon's scalpel to cut you so that you can be healed. And you know what that means practically? It means that you need to confess your sin. It means you need to get honest with the people closest to you about what you've been doing. you got to lay it out. Lay it out to your brother or your sister, your mom or dad. Lay it out to me. Your, your, your sin is safe with me, right? Because we're going to put it in Jesus' hands. And he is able because he feels your pain. He was tempted in every way. Try just like you are. He gets it. But he's our priest. He's our go-between. He's our substitute. And he loves you still. So you can stop hiding. You can also hold fast to him. The scripture in verse 14 says we can hold fast to our confession. Not to do our very best every day to earn what God's given us, but to cling to his grace. And to say, God, what I, all, all that I have is from you. All that I have is from you. Tatiana, will you come up here for just a second? I want to show you something that you've seen me do before. But it's a great reminder of what it looks like to hold fast to God. So... Hold my hand. Normally we hold hands like this, right? And if I'm holding on to God, oh, you're, you're going to be God, okay? If I'm holding on to God and I let go accidentally, then we're split, right? We're done. That's not how God holds hands. God holds hands like this. Can y'all see that? God holds hands like this. Now you hold on, okay? <laughs> if I let go, he's still got me, right? If, and I let go all the time, but he's still got me. He holds me fast so I can hold him fast. Amen? That's what faith is. This is what faith is. It's holding on to God, yes, because he, Q said it earlier. We love because he first loved us. Amen? Thank you. We can stop hiding. We can hold fast because he's holding us, and last, we can draw near. We can draw near. You know, it's easy for me to say, so go read your Bible, <laughs> right? That's easy to say. It's, it's hard to do. Can I give you a little motivation? Let me give you a little motivation. Have you ever noticed a beautiful sunrise? Have you ever been driving across town and just look, glanced up and seen uh, uh, gold and pink smeared across a deep blue sky? Several times in my life, I've seen a beautiful sunrise, and, and I've pulled, pulled over and just sat and, wa- and just looked at it, maybe taken some pictures, <laughs> which don't ever turn out as good as it actually looks, right? But if you've ever noticed a beautiful sunrise, then you get that you're drawn to it. You see, to draw near to God and to draw near to His Word means that you see His beauty, 
And, and, and it can't just be a discipline. It can't just be something that you force yourself to do because you'll stop after a while. But if what draws you to God is his beauty, if what draws you to God is knowing that he gave his only son to live and die for you when you didn't deserve it, if what draws you to him is his beauty, then you will pick up your Bible. Because it will not just feel like condemnation, it will feel like mercy and grace. Because this Bible is the story of God's mercy and grace given to us who don't deserve it in the person of Jesus Christ was all about. That's your motivation. Be drawn to what is beautiful. Let that motivate you to read your Bible and to pray. Talk to your beautiful God. You know, we have a beautiful sunrise that we're celebrating today, don't we? If you ever need a picture, if you ever need an image, if you ever need something to meditate on, meditate on the resurrection of the Son of God. Meditate on the fact that he overcame sin and death. That when they arrived at that tomb, it was empty. It was a well-guarded tomb by the greatest empire that ever existed in the ancient world. He didn't slip out. He was resurrected. He was resurrected. There's so much evidence of it. We can't get into it today. But he was resurrected in history. And he was resurrected for you. And so look at the sun rise. And when you look at the sun rise, it will draw you to want to draw near to him. To be drawn to him in his beauty. He is our great high priest. He knows your dirt. He feels your pain. And he loves you still. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that your word would take root in our hearts, Lord. That it would take root in our hearts. That you would use it. That you would wield it. Holy Spirit, wield the sword of the word and, and cut us deep so that we'll confess and we'll know. That we'll see who we really are and we'll cling to you more tightly. Not turning over a new leaf, but turning over our lives to you. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, give us faith to rest in you. To stop playing church. And to, and to be drawn to you and your beauty. To know you. To spend time with you in your word and prayer. Lord, I pray that for each of us. That we would truly love you as you have loved us. And it's in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.